What's so great about Mexico? Aside from tequilas and tacos? The ecosystem! Happy Cinco de Mayo, which is tomorrow, as today is May the 4th, so happy Star Wars Day. Go forth and find your inner Han Solo and smuggle someone's heart. But that's it, because even though today is May the 4th, tomorrow's day is what we're all about in this episode. Today we are celebrating Cinco de Mayo, or simply a fiesta of two animals that call Mexico home, the coati and beaded lizard. Welcome to Weird Animal Facts, Explicit, a show dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. I'm Deidre, and I have worked as a zookeeper for about a decade and have celebrated animals' amazingness with thousands of children that visited the zoo. But what about the adults? Aren't you sick and tired of going to the zoo and only hearing the PC and G-rated facts and jokes that they have to offer? Don't you wish that there was a zoo for your immature mind yet still teach you at an adult level and vocabulary? And by vocabulary, I mean with the freedom of saying things such as fuck and shit and not holding back any truth when asking, what are those two animals really doing? And since there's no accredited zoo that reaches these adult requirements, well, maybe with the exception of the zoo's beer and wine nights, there's this podcast. Now, I don't just talk about sex here. We talk about the animals, just with an adult cadence. But not like the NPR cadence, as there are plenty of places for that kind of education. This is where you come when you want to learn and laugh. I don't think I even laugh while listening to NPR. Maybe ironically, they just talk so slow and boring for me. I need excitement! And if you do too, then welcome. Or, as they say in Mexico, Bueno rendenes, but, but, I'm sorry, I can't, no. And that's all the Spanish I will be attempting for today. Well, maybe. Anyways, on with the show! Kawadi. Kawadi. Kawadi, or Kudomundi, or Mexican Raccoon, or White Nose Kawadi. There are also a lot more names you can call it but it really depends on the region and language you're in. And since I speak English and I live in the U.S., I will say White Nose Kawadi, or Kawadi for short. Now, since we've got the weird name out of the way, you may be wondering, well, what is it? It sounds like the muscle you're toning during a Frenchman squat. Walk it, walk it, deeper, feel the burn. Don't let your knees go past your feet. Then you should feel it in your coates. If you happen to check out the raccoon episode, then you have a basic makings of a coati, as they are related to raccoons, but with some modifications. Howdy y'all, we're Mother Nature and God, and we've been renovating animals over one billion years. When trying to meet our client's needs, we look at the ecosystem as a whole, as well as what our client needs to survive. Welcome, Welcome to, to Animal, Animal Renovations. Renovations. Today, we'll be helping out the Mundi family. But only the immediate family in Mexico, not their cousins up north. That's right, but the Mundis did ask for some inspiration to come from the raccoon cousins. Only not as fluffy in the tail end. Which I thought wasn't going to look as cute. 
but that's why I leave the exterior designs up to Mother Nature, and I stick to functionality. The first thing to do was to find the shape, which was hard in itself, as the Kuwanda Mundis not only wanted inspiration from the raccoon cousins, but also a few others, such as dogs, cats, and a monkey. I started with the monkey inspiration by stretching out the tail nice, long, and thin. Then, Mother Nature suggested giving it a bit of a twirl at the end so that while the family walks along in the tall grass, which is something they do quite often, they can still spot that curved tail above the greens. Next, well, some might say I got just a bit too carried away when it came to stretching things out. I'll say, but it all worked out for the best. You see, what God decided to do was to stretch out both ends of the quaddy, not just the tail. He tells me he did it on purpose as God's got a plan for everyone. That's what he likes to say. But I got a glimpse at his original blueprints and there wasn't nothing in there that said anything about having a long nose. With Mother Nature convinced of my accurate and purposeful actions, I thought about how the Coatlemundi's family lives both on the ground and up in the trees. Looking back at some of our previous designs like the Jaguar, I thought I could improve the Coati's mobility. And it had nothing to do with making up for any accidents you might have created? Of course not. Anyways, to aid with their climb down the tree and so not to have to look so nervous of only having to depend on their claws, I took the Kawada's ankles and made them double-jointed. This allows the Kawadi to rotate their feet 180 degrees and climb down the tree with ease. A very generous adaptation to provide, if you ask me. I don't think anybody did. Finally, it was my turn to take the Kawadi from Kawada Monday to Kawadi Fun Day. Since God so graciously stretched out that nose, I had to find something to do with it, as the Kawadi family enjoys dining on all sorts of things, from fruit to small mammals and even a tarantula from time to time. I thought it would be heavily important to make do with that snout God provided. The school itself is very long, but since the school is made of bone, there's not much I could do there. However, the nose itself I modified with the ability to move and rotate. Inspired by my ankle modification, no doubt. <laughs> the nose itself I made flat like a pig's, one of the greatest smells out there. And just like the pig nose can move, so can the Kuwad Mondays, up to 60 degrees. Not quite 180. For the finishing touches, it was important for the Kawadis to still represent their heritage so that folks knew that they were a relative of the raccoon. As God's modification helped to challenge that thought, I covered the Kawadi with a brownish-gray back and some hints of red. And to throw back to the raccoon relatives, added a white mask to the face, giving us the white-nosed Kawadi. So a kawadi is kind of like an elongated raccoon, and there are a few species of kawadis in South America. Mexico is known for having the white-nosed kawadi, 
And since we are celebrating the diversity of Mexican animals, the white-nosed coati is our critter of choice. And I'm not kidding that Mexico is diverse. It has practically every type of ecosystem there. Tropical, grassland, rainforest, cloud forest, that's the difference by the way, mangrove, desert, arid regions, and even ocean habitat in Baja. With so many different types of habitat to choose from, it's no wonder Mexico makes up 10% of the world's species. That's a fucking lot. Do you know how small Mexico is compared to other countries? Mexico is about the size of Greenland. Mexico is smaller than all of Europe, and normally when people think of Mexico, it's just rattlesnakes and tacos. But there is so much more. The Quadis are rather diverse as well. That is when it comes to where they live, similar to the raccoon cousins. They can be found in pretty much all of the listed habitat regions, with the exception of Baja and the ocean, obviously. So just like the U.S. raccoon, the white-nosed coati is very adaptable. Maybe even more. Or at least the females. Alright, now, just because I'm a female, it does mean I can be biased when it comes to the battle of the sexes, but there has been studies on the coati regarding male versus female. First, you need to know that coatis are social animals. Well, I mean, the females are. And this is why the females fucking rock. Coatis live in groups called bands. You know what? That'd be a pretty badass girl punk rock band name. We are the Kawatamundis! Or maybe, maybe a ska band. That might sound more appropriate. And anyways, these bands are anywhere from 2 to 20 members. So, yeah, maybe ska. And it's all females and their babies. When it comes time for the ladies to get frisky, they will allow a bachelor male to temporarily join their band like great rock stars did with their groupies. Then, once they've filled their satisfaction, the males are escorted off the premises, as some males are actually baby murderers. <coughs> now since we've fucked, I'd like to kill all the babies that aren't mine. Disturbing fact. The reason why some males in the animal kingdom murder babies is because they aren't his babies. He wants his genes to carry on the family name. So if those aren't his babies, then... Well, let's just say it's a good thing people don't do this. Well, I guess they did do it back in, like, Old Testament time. Let my people go. With a possible murderous male away, the female who got her hanky-panky on, begins the internal baby-making process. But just like a pregnant, unmarried woman in the 60s, the soon mother-to-be leaves the family for a suspicious amount of time, only to return. But unlike an American home in the 60s, that child Pregos was creating up in that maternal tree is more than welcome back into the home. And the band of Kawadis work together to raise it. So I guess it's still kind of like the 60s, only in a hippie commune kind of way. Now, the reason I said that the females may be better than the males, aside from the fact that they aren't baby murderers, or, by the way, not all males kill rival babies, just a very small handful, yet still a handful. Anyways, the reason why the females are better is because of their brain. The females were found to have a larger frontal cortical volume than the males. What that means is that the brain is better at expressing personality 
that may actually aid in better social behaviors. Oh, also, it helps with decision-making. Who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. Who run the world? Girls. The band of Kawadi is a Kawadi thing, not so much a raccoon thing. But they both have cute, tiny hands. However, the raccoon does have more manipulative power in their hands than that of the Kawadi cousin. But raccoons are not as brave when it comes to murdering their meals. Yes, as omnivores eat just about anything, but Kawadis have been known to eat tarantulas. And for those of you who listened to the New World Tarantula episode, you know just a little bit about how dangerous they can be. And if you didn't listen, just know that one, New World Tarantulas really aren't that scary. It's the Old World Tarantulas you've really got to worry about. But the reason why they can be dangerous is two. They're Ceta, which is kind of like hair, but it isn't. And it covers their entire body and is equipped with barbs that can cause irritation to the skin when touched. With that in mind, I want you to know that the Kawadis will use their cute tiny feet to bat the tarantula around the way a cat does a ball of yarn in an effort to be rid of the urticating Ceta before they eat it. And yes, both the males and females do this. Or so I haven't been told otherwise. And keep in mind that even though tarantulas and even scorpions can be on the menu, it's not the most popular option. There are reports of Kawadis eating these dangerous invertebrates, but seeing that they can be dangerous and annoying, I'm sure if given the choice, just like if I had to choose between making my own dinner at home from scratch versus ordering a free meal with free delivery, I'd take the freebie every time. Easy. It's the easier option. My guess is that it's the younger Kawadis who haven't quite learned all the foraging spots and hunting techniques that go after these danger-crunchy spice chips. Or maybe they're just like us humans who can't get enough hot sauce on our tacos. And if hot and spicy is your way of life, get ready for some spice to enter your life as I attempt to read the white-nosed Kawadis' scientific name. Scientific names are hard. As you heard earlier, as I attempted to say welcome in Spanish and butchered it horribly, I am not very good at saying things that are not English. In fact, sometimes I'm not very good at saying things in English. So because of that, we find it, we as in me, and my roommate find it very hilarious when I attempt to read scientific names. Because of that, I ask her, Emily, my roommate, to write on a piece of paper the scientific name of the animals that we talk about in the show so that I can attempt to read them for your entertainment. And I don't read these names until just now. So here is the white-nosed kawadi. I'm going to read its scientific name. Nasua Narika. Oh, that was easy. Nasua Narika. Great, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm getting better at this, I think. It's the transition song From going to one topic to the next It's the transition song So that we have no awkward silence Beaded Lizard The most fashionable lizard of the 90s you remember how cool you were with those homemade bead necklaces? Rocking those plastic gems on your ankle and wrist? You were cooler than a bag of potato chips. Alright, so the beaded lizard isn't rocking those craft store beads, but their name does come from the fact that their scales look kind of like beads. As does their scientific name. Scientific names are hard. Alright, so the reason why we're doing this, this part early is because 
what their scientific name actually translates to is important for their description. But before we get there, allow me to attempt to read their scientific name and embarrass myself yet again. Hello Derma. Hello Derma. Hello Derma. Horridum. Hello Derma. Horridum. All right. So what that means, Hello Derma. Horridum. That scientific name translates to mean studded skin. And what a stud this lizard is. With scales that look to be asking to be smothered in mayonnaise, lime, and spices, the beaded lizard is not Mexican street food. But the beaded scales do look like elote. Corn. Corn, that means corn in Spanish? Corn. You know, like the cob on the cob? The corn on the cob. And then they put, like, the mayonnaise on it and you eat it and it's delicious. And on the corn, the corn that's on the cob, it looks like ridges. All right, now if this is confusing at all, if you can't picture what their scales look like, then go to our Instagram at WAF Podcast, and there'll be a picture of their scale skin so that you can see what it is I'm actually talking about. Because I like to think I'm pretty good at painting pictures, but I'm not always that great. Anyways, if you're a visual learner, that's the place to go. Audio learners, stick around. In fact, the beaded lizard scales are actually a fancy type of scale. Similar to the keeled scales of the bush viper, the scales of the beaded lizard are raised like the bumps of a goose. Only those bumps are always there and also hard, like an erection. And just like that excited penis, those beads do contain bone. Well, bits. Bits of bone, that is. These scales are called osteoderms. Osteo, osteoderms. These scales are called osteoderms. Fun fact. Crocodilian species also have osteoderm scales. Double fun fact, osteoderms are just bony scutes. Triple fun fact, scutes are what you see on the shells of turtles and tortoises. Now don't be deceived by the fact that the scales of the beaded lizard are basically made of bones and then because of that think that that's their skeleton because they do in fact have a skeleton just like any other lizard does, like the bearded dragon, Greta Knoll, Donald Rumsford, or even Mark Zuckerberg. Lizard people, are they real? What these strong studded scales do is actually help protect the beaded lizard. By being tougher than our flimsy human skin, the beaded lizard scales are basically bone skin. Underneath those bumps on the beaded lizard's skin is bone material. Combine that bony skin with the fact that the beaded lizard is one out of many venomous lizards in the world. That's right, this lizard is venomous, making the beaded lizard a weirdly amazing creature. Fun fact, it was originally thought that there were only three venomous lizards of the world, the beaded lizard, their very closely related cousin, the Gila monster, and the Komodo dragon. However, after further studies, scientists think that there might be as many as 100 venomous lizards. Do you remember the bush viper episode? Well, the bush viper is a snake that's venomous. When a snake, like the bush viper, injects their venom, they use fangs like a vampire. And those vampire fangs work like a needle. But instead of a syringe that's holding the venom, it's glands. Fun fact, venom glands are just modified saliva glands. Those glands then squeeze the venom out of the needle-like fangs and into their prey. 
But the beaded lizard's injection is more like a kid who fell off their bike and got a pretty gnarly raspberry on their knee, and then that knee, that might as well have been gnawed on by a beast, was licked with a saliva-slash-venom mixture. All right, let me break this down just a little bit more, because I know that was confusing. So while the snake's venom gland is located on the roof of the mouth, the beaded lizard's venom gland are actually on the lower jaw. In the lower jaw, if you will. And instead of having needle-like fangs, the beaded lizard's venom comes up from the base of the bottom teeth. But in order for the venom to go into the victim, the beaded lizard must chew. As the gnawing of the flesh takes place, the saliva in the mouth mixes with the venom. Then, via capillary action, goes up grooves until it slides its way like a sneaky little bastard into the open flesh. And now it's time for a segment called... Guess that scientific vocabulary term you learned about in grade school but forgot. We'll put 30 seconds on the clock. Typically used to describe movement of water up a plant stalk, this term has to do with moving liquid. And in the beaded lizard's case, venom. That is caused by adhesion, cohesion, and surface tension. What is this vocabulary term? Um... Capillary action. They just said that like 60 seconds ago. Capillary action. That's right, isn't it? That's correct! You'd think that with all this venom going on inside that sexy mouth of theirs, that the beaded lizard would use it in more ways than one. And that one way being to kill their food you'd think that they would also use it in combat. Finish him. But the truth is that venom doesn't really come in handy when fighting another male beaded lizard. Why? Well, I mean, were you listening earlier? Bone skin. And yes, they have claws, but they don't really use those as claws or more for climbing and digging. And also, don't forget about that bone skin. Claws don't really do much against that bone skin, so... Yeah. And it is typically the males who are fighting one another, and they fight for the typical male reasons. The ladies. Ow, ow, ow! And land. You know, you don't ever see women fighting over such petty things. That's my dress, you bitch! And this fighting they do, as mentioned, they don't use their venom. Nor do they use their claws. So, what do they use? Love. Or it looks like love, because I assure you, it is not. The fighting itself almost looks like a rhythmic dance as the two males wrap their stubby little arms around one another in a slow motion embrace of strength. All four legs from each lizard will be used as well as that big fat chunky tail. That makes up half their body length. Think of it like an arm wrestle, but more awkward as it can last for hours. Then once those odd hours has finished, there is one champion, and if the lady beaded lizard is still hanging around, to the victor goes the cloaca. That means he gets to get down and dirty, beaded lizard style. Oh, yeah. So maybe this male fighting isn't so much an arm wrestle, but more like lucha libre. Hola. From the animals to the food to the various styles of wrestling, Mexico is truly an amazing place. 
If you aren't able to travel, then find a local Mexican restaurant, and no, I do not mean Taco Bell, but a place with authentic Mexican food. Or just go home and make yourself a margarita. Fun fact, we have tequila because of bats. Thank you, bats! And celebrate the wonder, the wild, and beauty of the weird world of Mexico. And Mantrea Reya, or however you're supposed to say it. Stay weird! <laughs>